ought to be very interesting. We'll go ahead and say a prayer. We'll get started. Father, uh, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the uh, the meal that we have before us and the symbolism of it. Uh, Father, I pray that you would bless Pam this morning. I pray that she uh, has the words that she needs to speak. Uh, Father, we're excited about these feasts. We're excited about what they mean. Um, I pray that everybody here celebrates them at their own houses. Uh, I think we need it, Father. Uh, we're so thankful for Jesus. Uh, thank you for the plan of the gospel. And it's through Jesus I pray. Amen. Amen. If anybody comes in, needs a book, Evie. Okay, wow. I'm so excited. I think almost every chair is full, is it? Zach's going to open us up with our traditional trumpet blast. Give him a hand. I want to say that this is a feast. You look at your plate and say, that's a feast. (laughs) It's not a feast like Grandma's feast, you know. It's a feast of remembrance. Isn't that cool? I love the way that God teaches because he uses all of our senses. Isn't it beautiful? Look around you. And look at all the little pieces of food. They all mean something. And when you teach this to your children... Like Grant, where's Grant? Raise your hand, Grant. Grant's all the way from Ohio. We did this last year. And he was talking to me about, oh, yeah, you know, that stuff that tastes real bad and all this stuff. But this is a beautiful feast of remembrance because God has told us, we're going to say it three times and shout it hearty, remember, remember, remember with passion. One, two, three. Remember! Remember! One more! Remember! Because we forget, don't we? We forget. And uh, we're not going to forget after today because of the beauty of what God lays out for His people. We've been cheated, haven't we? Don't you feel like we've been cheated? Because we didn't understand that these were our feasts, and now we do. And I told you at the beginning that this is supposed to go, leave from this place and to go to your homes. And so traditionally, this is a a feast that is celebrated in the home, okay? In the home, and this is cool. We can do it both places, but we need to start getting this stuff back in the home because the commandment was that we do this for our children. What's, ha- what's missing in this culture? Our children aren't getting enough. It takes more today than what we got when we were my age. Because the culture was kind of on our side. Culture's not on our side anymore, church. And we've got to do a better job at teaching our children. And this is awesome. So I wanted to share this with you, the beauty This is how God teaches the beauty of this feast, the beauty of relationships with one another. Isn't that awesome? We're all here because we have the same Father. That means a lot. That's like me and Kim. I mean, we can just get mad at each other and shove each other, and she walks by and I'll trip her. But at the end of the day, we love each other. Why? See that man over there? Raise your hand, Pops. Raise your hand, Ma. We have the same Father, so we have to love 
one another. And we have the same Father. So it's the beauty of the church. It's the beauty of relationships. And it's the beauty of teaching our children. They must never forget. We're going to have to rush through this. So it won't be done as completely as I have hoped. But we're going to let my helpers just bring chairs in for now. We're going to give everybody just a minute to get settled. While they're getting settled, I would remind you to silence your cell phones. That would be really cool so they don't ring during this hour. There's a chair. Who's that for, Amanda, by you? Okay, there's, there's two chairs up here. And there's one right here, right in the front. I won't bite you. Someone can have my seat. Okay. I, I, won't, I, won't, I might spit and spray, but I won't nibble. I'm going to let everybody get a seat, though. Louie, you guys don't want to sit here. We can put a chair on the end. Here's two. You want here? Anybody up? One up here. Jake gave up his chair, so there's one here. Okay. Yeah. That's okay. We're just glad everybody came. Okay, I think we're all settled. Okay, we're good to go. Thank you. Okay, let's start off with a real quick with a real quick refocus. This is going to take a lot of rushing through, but I want you to get at least the flavor of the feast because this is a really special day. We're going to have a special dinner for a special celebration called a Passover Seder. Say that. Passover Seder. It's a meal with special foods, as you can look on your plate, and scripture readings. I've assigned some of you scripture readings and two very special stories. The first story I'm going to tell you about in just a few moments happened a long, long time ago before Jesus was born. And you guys have heard it in here before. And then God instructed us to do as we're doing now for the older people to teach the younger people. Younger people, raise your hands. Maggie and Jack, who else is in here? Grant. Okay, that's who we're supposed to be focusing on teaching these younger people. How God delivered Moses, from the, the Hebrew people, from cruel Egyptian slavery. We're going to look at another story too. The story of, can you imagine who? Jesus, say that. Jesus. The story of how God delivered the Hebrew people was a picture, right? Say it with me. A picture. Once more, a picture. And I had those fanned out for you. They're gone, so we have room for this. A picture of how he's going to redeem us. So now we're going to start our Passover Seder as Edie comes and lights our traditional candles and says a blessing.
Very good. You have before you a Haggadah, a book we're going to be using through the whole through the whole hour we have left. This Haggadah means the telling. So we're going to tell the Passover story centered around a really interesting meal. This uh, special plate here I have before you is a Seder plate. Say that. Seder plate. Now you have your own Seder plate, but I kind of have a special Seder plate with little bowls for each of our seven foods. Um, Each part of the Passover story is right here on your plate. It's not really only a story of physical deliverance, but a spiritual bondage, our spiritual deliverance. And so every part of this Passover paints a portrait of that redemption. I've been telling you guys this for 12 weeks. Now we get to eat it and smell it and taste it. There are three foods that God tells us to eat, told his Hebrew people, to eat the night before they were redeemed. Okay, you guys remember what that was? Your Passover lamb, your matzah bread, and your bitter herbs. Those are on your plate. There's a few other food items on your plate that came along later to help us remember the story better. There's also, you have before you one cup. We're going to drink from that one cup four times. You remember what those cups represent. Say them with me. I will bring you out. I will set you free. I will redeem you and I will make you my own. That is, that, those are the promises. And when you lay your head down in death and you're a little confused and rattled because you know you're leaving this earth, you let those four promises bless you because Jesus Christ, because of who he is, is going to bring you out of that grave. He's going to set you free from death and dying. He's going to redeem you and give you back what we lost. And he's going to make us his own. And that way we can even face death with great courage. So never let those four promises leave you. I'm leaving, but keep those promises with you. Okay, four times we're going to drink, two times before dinner and two times after dinner. I'll walk you through this this whole series. These four cups are four expressions of redemption mentioned in the Bible. We've gone over this for 12 weeks. God tells Moses to tell the people, I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will set you free from being slaves to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will make you my own special people and I will be your God. The four cups of the Seder represent four expressions of redemption. Repeat after me. Bring, deliver, deliver. redeem, Redeem. and make. Make. Okay, who's got the the reading on page four? The first cup is called the cup of sanctification. The second cup is called the cup of judgment. The third cup is called the cup of redemption. The fourth cup is called the cup of the kingdom. Very good. Let's take our wine. I'm going to call it wine. It's really grape juice. Let's um, hold our wine up to the heaven. I would ask you to stand. Normally we would. We're going to pass today. We're a little tight, okay? Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, who created the cup of the vine, the fruit of the vine. This first cup is the cup of sanctification. Sanctification means to be set apart. We're setting apart a time, a, this special hour to honor God. Who's got the reading next on page 5? Read it loud. Anybody on page 5? Remember God set apart his people from Egypt. Therefore, say to the Israelites, I 
bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will set you free from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you. In the same way God redeemed us from sin and set us apart. Say that. We spoke of living holy unto the Lord when we went over that Feast of Unleavened Bread. Remember, we've been set apart from the world to shine for our King. God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief in the truth. We're going to drink the cup while seated, symbolizing freedom, because a slave can never relax. You may be seated, which you are. Everyone, please drink your cup. Now, if you drank it all, and you're certainly allowed to, you need to have it refilled at this time. Okay? If you drink all your, if you drink it all, what you can do? Some people love their grape juice. You can have it refilled. Okay? Okay, and you've got your, you've got refill, free refills on the table. So let's get our second cup poured, but do not drink it at this time. Okay, God commanded Aaron to wash his hands and feet before approaching the altar of the Lord. We are now going to ceremonially wash our hands as a token of our expression to God that we want to live a clean life. So we're going to take a moment to do this so our service will be acceptable to him. This is also a reminder that Jesus humbled himself the night of Passover and washed the disciples' feet. Who has the reading on page 6? See, King James, King James, sorry, I should, have read, I should have done that for you in the NIV. Sorry about that. Okay, we're going to wash our hands quickly. Just little, sprinkle your little fingers in there. Dry them off. No, 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 no. Bowls are coming. Sorry. 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 That's okay. That's okay. We're learning. We're learning. Let me have this. I'll start from there if you don't mind, and you can get another bowl. I'll come around. We'll, she'll get you. Okay, girls, you want to? Um, you know what? Go ahead, but you'll have to use your napkin right there. I'll get you another one, okay, because I forgot to grab the napkin. Very good. Yeah, we'll get you some more napkins because I should have grabbed a towel. Very good. Thank you. You know what? I could come this way, too. I'll just get go back and forth. Kimmy, I'm good here on this side if you want to. Yep. No, but I'll, I'll come down here. Well, use your map napkins, and we'll get you guys woo, more napkins. Okay, where are we here? You got these? Right there, that last two. I got this. This is much easier if you do it at home with six or eight. 
You're clean. All right. Anybody else? And we need more napkins because they had to use theirs. Whew. Okay, we're all clean. You girls need another napkin? You're good? Okay. Very good. Are we all clean? If you're clean, raise your hand. Oh, good, we're clean. Okay, the vegetables are said to symbolize the lowly origin of the Hebrew people. And your little bitty cup, little bitty cup is salt water. Okay, the salt symbolizes the tears as a result of slavery for the Hebrew people. You remember last week's story when I spoke with Jochebed and what she went through as, as, the, as she was laboring, wondering if she would have a son. Great misery. I want you to take your green parsley now Dip it in your salt water and eat your parsley and let the taste, the bitterness of that taste remind you of the bitterness of slavery to sin in our lives. Let us also remember the tears that Jesus shed on the cross. You don't have to eat it all, just a nibble it will work. Taste that? Oh, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Okay? Well, you guys, that's, that's a reminder, okay, of the bitterness of sin. Now I want you to look at the matzah bread. Also, we're going to be having a little applesauce on your plate. If you have an allergy to nuts, it does have nuts in the applesauce. And Edie will get you a little portion that's nut-free if, if you have a problem. Okay? But right now we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about the matzah. Now, right here in this little bag, isn't that sweet? The Jewish people have a, a bag with three pieces of matzah in it. We know that those represent the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay? Um, it's flat. Everybody look at your, at your matzah. Everybody pick up your bread. If you'll notice, remember I told you the night the Hebrews left, they had to leave very fast. And, the, and leavening became known as what? Sin. So unleavened bread is a picture of the sinless body of Jesus Christ. The Hebrews had to leave very fast and were unable to let their bread rise. It's the bread of affliction. Say that. That's that our that um our that all of, not our fathers because we're grafted in there our fathers, but that the Hebrew fathers ate in the land of Egypt. In the Bible, leavening is a symbol of sin. Unleavened bread symbolizes. No sin. That's why we eat unleavened bread when we have communion, right? Don't be eating that soft yeasty bread because that's the, the when that like that French bread. Don't be using that at communion because that represents sin. So we want to eat the unleavened bread during communion. This bread is also a portrait of Jesus who had no sin. He's the bread of life. Who has the reading on page seven? Okay, and in our, little, in our little linen bag, we have three pieces of matzah. They represent the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to take out the third piece, the middle piece of our matzah, 
and I'm going to break it in half. I'm going to put the smaller piece back in my bag and I'm going to wrap this piece in a linen covering that represents Jesus. Now what I'm going to do, let's this the bread wrapped is called repeat after me, the Ephikimon. The Ephikimon is a word that means that which comes later or that which comes after, such as the dessert of a meal. The children, close your eyes. Jack, Maggie, and Grant, close your eyes. Close them real tight. Tighter than that. Okay. I'm going to hide this in a little bit. You guys can see if you can find it, okay? Okay, you can open up your eyes now, and I'll let you guys look for that in a little bit. And the one who finds it gets a reward of money. Okay, we'll let you guys look for that. Okay, God's Word says that we should have this Passover meal so we can have a time to tell who? The children, the children about the things that God's done for His people. Who has the reading on page 8? Very good. Now it is time for the children to ask the four questions. Jack? Why do we eat only unleavened bread? Are we trying in all the other nights to eat either leavened bread or matzo? Why do we eat only bitter herbs on this night and all other nights do we eat unleavened vegetables? Why do we dip our vegetables twice on this night and we do not dip our vegetables even once all other nights? Very good, and we're going to answer these questions through our story, and you guys have heard this story, but you're going to hear it one more time. Elohim, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, through a series of very interesting events, led his covenant people, the Hebrew people, to Egypt. And there was a Pharaoh and who at first loved the, loved the Hebrews, gave them the best of all the land. But in time, that Pharaoh died and a new Pharaoh came to power and he did not like the Hebrews, meaning the dusty ones, and he made them slaves. Say that. He made them slaves. He became concerned about their growing number. So he ordered the soldiers to rush in all the little slave hovels of the Hebrew people and snatch the infant boys from the arms of their mothers and bash their heads on the stone wall and throw the Hebrew children in the back of the royal wagon until it was full. And then they were to take these little precious Hebrew boys to the Nile and feed them to who? The crocs. Very good. What horror! These people were horrified, these people who belonged to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And they thought, our God is so weak, He won't save us. He won't save us. There was a woman named Jochebed. She delivered a little Hebrew baby boy, and she hid him from the cruel Egyptians for three months. And when in three months came, you know what happens? Babies wake up, and he, he was crying and making noise, and she could hide him no longer. So she took a basket and she coated it in pitch 
and she placed her little baby in the basket along with her heart. And she put the baby in the very place in the Nile where the princess would bathe. And the princess heard something coming out of the, of the reeds and she sent her servant to get the basket and she opened the lid and it was love at first sight. I always wonder if the princess couldn't have children, you know. And she said, I'm going to adopt this baby and name him Moses for I drew him out of the water. Moses grew up in the palace fair with the best of everything, the best clothes, the best education. But he had a heart for the slaves. And one day he saw a wicked uh, Egyptian taskmaster beating a Hebrew and Moses just blew up in anger and he killed the Egyptian taskmaster. And Moses had to run for his life. And he ran to Midian. And there in Midian he became a shepherd for guess how many years? Forty years. And one day he was out watching his father-in-law's sheep and he saw a strange sight. What is that strange sight, children? And so he went over to check it out and it was a bush that was burning but was not being consumed. He's like, whoa! And God spoke from the burning bush and said, Moses! Moses! Boom! I mean, Moses hit the ground. You would have too. And I would have. Take those sandals off from your feet for the ground on which you stand is holy ground. And he said, this is what you're going to do. You're going to go tell. You're going to go back to Egypt and tell my suffering people that I'm going to bring them out. Say it with me. I will set them free. I will redeem them. And I will make them my own. And they did not believe because of their discouragement. And we're that way sometimes too. We don't believe God because we're so discouraged. And Moses, you go nose to nose with Pharaoh and you tell Pharaoh, the God of these Hebrew slaves, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob sent me to have a meeting with you. And my God says, let my people go. And Pharaoh said, not on your life. So it all began. Moses, Moses went back to the people and he said, get ready because God's going to rain down ten awesome plagues on the wicked Pharaoh in all of Egypt, and Pharaoh's going to let you go. What I want you to do now is take your little clean finger and dip it in your wine, and we're going to dip. We're going to drip one drip of wine on our plate for every plague. How many drips will we have at the end of our shouting out the plague? Ten. Everyone, put your finger in there and repeat after me. Blood. Blood. Drip that on your plate. Two, frogs. God sent lice. Four, flies. Very good. Blight. Boils. Hail. Locusts. Darkness. Darkness. Ten, the death of the firstborn. firstborn. After almost a full year, Egypt barely had a pulse left, but still Pharaoh would not let God's people go. So Moses left Pharaoh and he appeared to the discouraged slaves, the little slaves living in little slave hovels, raising little slave children loving their little slave spouses 
And Moses said, get ready for this final plague. Pharaoh will let you go. Each family is to take a male lamb from their flock, one-year-old, spotless, perfect male lamb without defect. On the tenth day of Nisan's Lamb Selection Day, say that. Actually, this is Lamb Selection Day today. That's so cool, right? On Lamb Selection Day, the fort, collect your spotless lamb and let it live with you for four days. And on the 14th of Nisan, slaughter the lamb and take the blood and sprinkle it on the doorposts of your homes, your little slave hovels. Roast the lamb. Eat it with its everything with it. No, Don't break the bones. Eat bitter herbs on your plate, unleavened bread. Eat with your cloaks on, your belt tied, sandals on your feet, your staff in your hand. The Lord is sending His avenging death angel. And anyone without the blood of the Lamb, the Passover Lamb will slay the firstborn of every home. Raise your hand if you're a firstborn male. Raise them high. Lots of firstborn males. The firstborn in Pharaoh's palace shall be slain if there's no blood on the doorpost. The first prisoner in the dungeon, even the first of the livestock, the Hebrew slaves did as God commanded. That night grew dark. The blood was on their little slave hovel doors. The little slaves in the darkness of the night, frightened and puckered, no street lights, no fluorescent lights in their homes, just a little flickering candle in the, in the darkness. And God's people were watching, watching. Would God remember His promises to us? Will God bring us out? Will He set us free? Will He redeem us? Will He make us His own? He had been silent for 430 years. Will He, will he keep His promises? And so they watched. And they watched. This was the night of, say it, Lael Shimmerim. The night of watching. And finally the silence of that night was shattered by the blood-curdling screams of the palace across the horizon as Egyptian after Egyptian after Egyptian was finding their slain sons. And Pharaoh, once strong and arrogant and mighty, found his dead son and tripped out, humbled and weakened, and told Moses, scream it with me, Out! Out! Get out! Take your wives! Take your children, take your spouses, take your flocks and get out. Get out in 430 years to the day. God's people were redeemed. Say it with me, after me, by the blood of the Lamb. Say it again. By the blood of the Lamb. God kept His promises. God kept His promises. They got to the Red Sea and they were in an absolute panic. Pharaoh's war machine was right on their heels and they were screaming, Oh, Moses! And he said, Be still and let God fight for you. Do we need to do that sometime? And, and Moses says, Let God fight for you. And God says, Now! And the Red Sea split in two and God's people walked through to the right side of redemption on dry ground. And when the last little Hebrew foot hit the right side of redemption. Pharaoh's war machine was in the very center of the Red Sea. God says now! And it splashed down. And with one more powerful act, the most powerful army in the world was slain. And their dead, gray, bloated bodies washed ashore. 
And God's people said, Yay! Our God can! Our God kept His promises! Look, look, they were saved by the same power, by the same God that saves us today. Everyone redeemed. Old Testament or New Testament has been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Say it. By the blood of the Lamb. Now, turn to page 17. I'm going to read what's on the left. You guys read together what's on the right column. Wait till you all get there. Jesus, our Passover lamb, the lamb was of male and the first year. Jesus is God. The lamb was set aside for four days on the 10th of Nisan. Jesus was on public display for four days on the 10th of Nisan. The lamb had no blemish. Jesus was without blemish. The death penalty was imposed when the lamb was chosen. The lamb was killed at 3 o'clock. Jesus died at 3 o'clock. The lamb's bones were not broken. Jesus' bones were not broken. The lamb must be eaten the same night. Jesus was crucified, suffered, and died the same night. The blood of the lamb applied to the door saved the Israelites firstborn. The blood of Christ shed on the cross saved all of us. No work was to be done on Passover. Very good. Now let's lift our next cup. Whoever has the reading on page 18, get ready. You're coming up. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who creates the fruit of the vine. The second cup is the cup of judgment. Say that. When Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, Gethsemane, he prayed. Jesus had a Passover Seder just like we're having right now. He died for our sins. While drinking the second cup, Jesus said in Matthew 26, for this, is, for this blood is the blood of the new covenant which is shed for many for the remission of sins. We talked about that during that, during that lesson of the marriage proposal, remember? Jesus drank from the cup of judgment so we won't have to. Just hold your cups just for a sec. Uh, who has the reading on page 19? Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with his commandments and commanded us concerning the removal of leaven. Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, who has commanded us to eat the bitter herbs. You've got horseradish on your plate. The, the horseradish symbolizes the bitterness of sin. The bitter vegetables should be eaten together with the matzah so we remember the bitterness of sin the crucifixion that Jesus went through. Everyone take a piece of your matzah. You can put your cups down. We'll drink this in a minute. Take a piece of your matzah and drag it through your horseradish. That's that little dollop of white bitter herb. And drag it through there and taste the bitterness of slavery. Now take another piece of your cracker 
and place a little bit of your horseradish on it and drag it through your drag it through your applesauce which represents mortar. The Israelites had to the Hebrew people had to build buildings and and use mortar to build these huge cities for Pharaoh and I want you to drag it through the sweetness of that of that applesauce dish. The horoset, that's what it's called. It it reminds us of their labor. But the mixture of the horoset on top of the bitter herb reminds us of the sweetness of Jesus. Because of Jesus and his sweetness, he can overcome the bitterness of sin. Isn't that a sweet picture for children? This egg on your plate, it signifies the traditional offering brought to the temple on the feast days. The egg is now a symbol of mourning to remind us of the destruction of the holy temple in Jerusalem. Tap your egg. The hardness, everybody tap your egg. The hardness of the shell reminds us of the hardness of Pharaoh's heart and the hardness of every heart until we accept God's love. The egg is also a sign of birth and of eternal life since the shape of the egg shows no beginning and it shows no end. God wants us to break the sadness and hardness of our hearts and be born into a new everlasting life. Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, who has ordained that we celebrate the Passover. Help us, God, to remember the two stories, the story of the great freedom you gave the Hebrews and the story of the great freedom that you give to those who place their hope and trust in Jesus, our Messiah. You may drink your second cup and you may eat your Passover meal at this time. Our Seder is only halfway over. The last half goes really fast, so don't be discouraged. But I'm going to give you about three minutes to take a little bite of everything simply because we're going to run out of time and have your helpers fill your cup. We need another full cup.
That's lamb. Yep, you guys are eating lamb meat. Lamb. That's lamb. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and finish while you eat. If you would just um, listen and eat, let your mouth be moving as you chew and not as you talk. Dinner is almost finished, but not our Seder. Now we're going to look for the Afikimon. Okay, Maggie, Jack, and Grant, you can come up and look for that piece of unleavened bread that I had wrapped in linen. And once you find that to me, I will redeem that. Okay? Squeeze right on through, and you guys come look for that, for that piece of Passover bread that I hid. Just don't knock the candles over, Mags. Okay? Real easy. You're close, Maggie. You're so close. No, Maggie, look up. Your redemption is nigh. Yes, Jack. Thank you, Jack. Just a minute. I'm going to redeem the, the unleavened bread with guess how many quarters? Anybody want to guess? Seven. Okay. Sorry, kids. Sorry, you were close. Thank you. Remember this piece. Okay, we're almost done. I don't want to lose you. Remember, this piece of matzah right here that was just redeemed is unleavened, sinless bread representing our risen Savior, our Messiah, Jesus Christ. It was hidden, and now it is back. Jesus was buried and rose from the dead. This special matzah is the food eaten at Passover because that special, unique taste stays with us. It's shared like the Passover lamb was shared from the time our Jewish ancestors were freed from Egypt until the destruction of the temple after Jesus' death. You're eating Passover lamb today. Jesus broke, Jesus broke the unleavened bread and gave thanks to the Lord. Jesus inserted himself in the Passover meal, remember? He said, this is my body, sinless bread, broken for you. I want everybody to eat some of your, another piece of your unleavened bread at this time. If you need more, let us know. And you need to get ready to take your third cup. We're going to have that again too. And Jesus said, this is my blood poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. Drink this and remember me. Now eat a piece of your unleavened bread and drink, please, your third cup. You need, everybody needs another. That's okay. Pour yourself one more cup if you're out. We got one pour in here. Debbie needs some more. You, you got it? Yep, we need some more here. I'll, I'll get this one, Edie. He's got a good one. Yep, that'll work, Edie. I'll take this one. Okay, anybody else? We got two that need it here. You are very welcome. Yeah. <laughs> We would really be enjoying the service. <laughs> okay, please turn to page 22 in your Haggadah. We'll be out of here in about three minutes. God is so good to us 
for even one little blessing, we should be able to respond. It would have been enough. The Lord, if the Lord had merely rescued us, but had not promised, but had not punished the Egyptians, you guys say together. If he had only destroyed their gods, but had not parted the sea. If he had only destroyed our enemies, but had not fed us his food in the desert. If he had only led us through the desert, but had not given us his holy days of rest. If he had only given us his word and commandments, but not promised us land forever. But Jesus, the Lamb of God, provided all these blessings for the Israelites, and not only these, but many more. I will make you my own, Jesus said, and you will be my own special people. Now are our cups filled for the fourth time. Whoops. That's the gong. gong. (laughs) Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who has shown us a glimpse of your infinite grace and mercy. Thank you. Thanks be to you for your Son, our eternal Redeemer, Jesus Christ, our true and perfect Lamb. I'm going to read, and you guys repeat after me, by His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord our God of all creation. His love endures forever. Give thanks to Him who destroys the work of Satan today. His love endures forever. Give thanks to Him who saved Israel from slavery in Egypt. His love endures forever. Give thanks to Him who saves us from slavery to sin. Give thanks to God, our God, who chose us to be his people. Drink your fourth cup and finish your meal. We're going to end with this last thing. I'm going to say something and you're going to say next year in Jerusalem. I've enjoyed being with you for the past 13 months. I, I mean, I mean 13 weeks, and it really didn't seem like months. It, it really did seem like 13 days. But I've enjoyed being with you for the past 13 weeks, and I hope you have really gotten something in your heart that will stay with you forever. I've enjoyed the Seder meal. I hope you'll take it home and, and take your Haggadah booklet with you if you think you'll use it next year in your home. But Jews... People who come together for a traditional Seder meal finish up their meal after their last cup. And they say in hopes that they can celebrate this feast next year in Jerusalem. Let's say that three times. Next year in Jerusalem. Next year in Jerusalem. Next year in Jerusalem. Now go from this place and shine for your King Jesus. Let it begin at home. Here's to the church. Drink up.